You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to No Particular Hurry. My name is Dave Early. Today's guest is someone who, if you don't have this person's notifications turned on your phone, you're probably missing like a lot of really, really important information, or at least you're going to be like a couple hours late. Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. We talk about everything from the Sixers' current situation, the MVP odds, Defensive Player of the Year, whether or not they should be load management, how weird of a season this is. Doc Rivers, and much, much more. So hopefully you enjoy the podcast, and you'll always learn a lot by listening to Keith. Thanks. How you doing, Keith? What's up, Dave? How you been, my man? I'm real good. I'm real good. I appreciate you coming on. Um, You're a guest that we've wanted to have on for a long time. Um, I know anyone who's anyone who's a Sixers fan has your Twitter notifications on their phone so they can see (laughs) what the latest is and see what you have to say about it. Um, so how's your day going? So it's, it's good. Today's been like an off day. It's been weird. I didn't have much to do, so it's cool. Yeah, t- today's a crazy day. Like, first of all, there's a, a massive national uh, story in terms of the Derek Chauvin case. Do you have any, do you have any words on that? Do you have any feelings? Um, you, you know, it, it's one of those things where you know, when, when, when the whole situation happened with George Floyd, it was like a sad day um, for a lot of people. I mean, not just for um, Black Americans, not just for um, minorities. I felt like that was, watching that video was, was sad for everyone. Just so, I mean, you basically saw someone being murdered. Um, and, and that was a sad day. And, and the fact that, you know, <laughs> It's tough because you you hate for 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 people like you know people cheering because someone went to jail, but at the same time, you know justice has been served, and it makes it seem like now that you know people are going to think twice about their actions. And and let's face it, um, did we really think that this guy wasn't going to get convicted? I mean, by the way that it, the things that we saw, like we basically watched a murder on a video. So I mean, there there was that SNL skit where it was like, "This is an open and shut case," and people were like, uh, "I don't know if they're gonna." Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. Seen, I've seen enough of these. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, and I think that's what it was. You know, I mean, you go back to Rodney King. Like I remember, I don't know how you probably were too young for that, but. You know, Rodney King was. I remember that. I'm old enough. Yeah, 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 old enough. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, they didn't do anything wrong. You're like, whoa. (laughs) Then you know, you see other things. So, for a lot of people, they're rejoicing because you know, like you said, it's not an open and shut. You think it's an open and shut case, but sometimes 
But this one, to be honest with you, this one, when I saw it and, you know, and you saw how the other two cops were like, basically, well, we really didn't do anything. It was him. It was that guy. (laughs) So, like, you know, you kind of figured, like, okay, they're going to, you know, this guy is going to have to serve some time in jail. Yeah, I just didn't know how many years they were going to give him, but they gave him a lot now. They gave him like 40. They give so. yeah, they give him the most possible. And it and it put, you know, just a weird feeling over the whole bubble. If you were a Sixers fan, you know, that's what you were thinking about at some point. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if this is a resolution or this gives closure to some people who were hoping for justice, but it either way, it's an important day, whatever your stance is. It is an important day. I mean, it is, you know, it's the, the whole situation, you know, was sad. I mean, the thing that happened, especially, you know, what being happening during the pandemic, um, there was a lot of change that, that came about, or I shouldn't say came about, that people are trying to bring about over that situation. I mean, you look at it, what, 10 miles down the street, another guy gets murdered by the, while, you know, by the police. So yeah. it, it's it's just a, a tough situation, but like you said, this is a start, and you know, hope we hope and pray that things will get better. All right, so we'll do the uh, the abrupt transition to the Sixers and get and get people what they're tuning in for, and start picking your brain on where this team is at. the The big news today in basketball is that I just saw you retweeted. Uh, James Harden might have aggravated his hamstring, right? Yeah, I mean that's they're talking about. You know, he he's out indefinitely. I, I saw like here's the thing: you're starting to see certain reports coming out, and you know, some people think that he'll possibly be out, you know, until the playoffs, like you know, at the earliest. But then you see another thing, so you really don't know. But you know, that's a tough one for for Brooklyn because you know you're looking at the Brooklyn Nets. And, and you're seeing how this is a team that you, you kind of figure that they were being extra cautious because they wanted all their players to be healthy in time for the playoffs. And this guy re-aggravates it. And now, is uh, you know, he's going to have to get another MRI. Um, to me, if you're the 76ers, you want to beat the best. Like, you want to be able to say, you know, I want to be able to beat Brooklyn with KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. But at the same time, it also, you know, makes more people say, well, maybe the Sixers are, can come out of the East. You know what I mean? But but knowing that Doc Rivers and them, you know, they want to beat James Harden. I'm one, of these, I'm one of these fans who are like, they don't even have to play a game full strength. I've seen the Bulls. I've seen the Warriors. This could be number three. Like, there's that much talent. But if you – and they don't even have to play together and, and click for me. Like, if you just put those three on the same team. And we just saw the other day this bench is legit too. Uh, if you told me that they're in the final dance or in the final four, I'd be scared as any Sixers fan probably might be. Um, but if you add this into the element, then all bets are off. And it also introduces the question of, like, you know, stuff you reported on, what was the Sixers' final price for James Harden? Was Tillman Fertitta open to working with them? Blah, blah, blah. Should he have included Thibel, four extra picks, swaps? So it's, it's a 
a huge basic minor news development with like ramifications yeah i mean well yeah i mean but the thing is it's a weird situation but when i think of it i I probably don't think of it that way because i I think of how he could have been a pretty good tandem with joel and who's to say you know if he would have got injured you know um it's an unfortunate situation but you know it it, it, is it's weird now here's the thing like when you look back at that trade, right? Yeah. And yeah. if you think about it, like, yes, James Harden and Joel Embiid would have been the talk of the, of the NBA, right? <laughs> Everyone, I mean, seriously, it would have been ridiculous, right? But since then, you know, you look at it and you look at a guy like Matisse Thibel, who has, you know, emerged. I mean, you know, Matisse is a guy I keep saying, give him another summer where he could work on his offensive skills. And we're going to be like, wow, Matisse is, is great because he already has it on the defensive end. And then, you know, Ben took a little setback. But right after that, he looked like, okay, you know, they're talking about trading me. Look at me. Now, again, James Harden and Joel Embiid, you look at that and you just smile, right? <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, I think that Tobias Harris wouldn't have been as involved that he is right now. You know, you look at... Uh, yeah, it would have put him in like a spot-up shooter, basically. Oh, he, he would have been Tobias of last year. 2019, yeah, corner. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would have been off in the corner, and then everyone would have been, like, complaining about him. But it's like, basically, <laughs> you know, you're just a a, 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 floor, a floor spacer now. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And, Even and, how know, he was when, when Reddick was here, like, deferring to the offense. Yeah, exactly. And... You know, like that was back in the day with the whole Tim and Fertitta. I mean, it's so long ago, but, you know, I mean, the thing is, you know, Harden kind of wanted to go, not kind of, he wanted to go and play with his his former teammate at OKC and Durant. He wanted to go to New York. Yeah. And you know, they made it work out for him. It, it kind of makes me feel like there's this narrative, like the Nets are the, the little brother of New York and the Clippers are the little brother of LA and they could definitely meet in the finals if everyone's healthy enough. There's also a report today that Kawhi Leonard, his foot might be more messed up than we thought. I was watching him play in a big, big game. I guess it was a week, a week and a half ago against the Suns and he was wincing. I know you covered this series against Sixers Raptors. You remember when Kawhi was wincing, like, he he would destroy the the Sixers, but he would land and he would like maybe limp back a little bit. And yeah. so you know when Kawhi is all in on a game or a series, and he's not always. If you watch him on a routine night, he's not. But he was that time. And I text my friend like Kawhi's wincing. He hasn't played since. Yeah, it's tough, man. And and like the thing is, you know, this season is all about survival of the fittest right like yeah you know and you kind of in a way you know it's hard to say I feel sorry for the players because the players are making a lot of money right that's what I'm gonna (laughs) say but 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 you still feel sorry that like I mean think about it dude I'm traveling and I'm tired all the time but I'm not (laughs) playing the game you know what I mean I'm like hey man I gotta get up and do this zoom call right like I'm tired of, of traveling to do zoom calls why they're traveling to play games. So the traveling is probably an underrated element to the whole thing, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, now again, you know, their, their travel isn't like 
most people, but you know, you're, you're thinking about you're spending a lot of time going on planes and in hotels. And typically, what they do is they'll get there. You know, let's just say, let's say if they play tonight or tomorrow night, right? They got to fly to Milwaukee. So what they're going to do is they're going to try their best to be out of there, like anywhere from like an hour to an hour and a half, um, you know, after the games. So then they'll fly to Milwaukee. Then they'll get like a little, um, then they'll get arrive at the hotel, get their bags. They're probably not going to get to their room to like, you know, Milwaukee, the flight isn't that, isn't that long, but it's going to be like early in the morning. And then they have to get up like five hours later and, and take their mandatory test so they can play the game that night. So it's just a lot. It's grueling. And the thing is, when you do it as many days as they're doing it, like every other day, that's when it becomes, you know, just a little tiring for them because they're just not used to, um, you know, now again, they're used to traveling, but then you take the, the testing element, the shoot around element, you know, all that other stuff, and then playing all these games. Like we're thinking about, it, they're playing uh, 72 games in around 145 days. That's crazy, dude. That's like every other day. <laughs> it's a, to put to say grind is like understatement, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, if if, if I'm the backup point guard, I'm talking about yo. Now you know, you guys ripping me off. I should get a max dollar. <laughs> I should get a max over this. Your guy, you know, your guy, Jared Jared Bayless. He would get paid in a year like this. Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing about Jared Bayless. I've been covering the NBA for eight years, right? It's my eighth season. Before that, I covered colleges. I've been doing this for maybe, I've been in this profession as a sports writer for like 25 years. I know people were upset because Jared got paid, but Jared was like one of the nicest and one of the like, one of the realest dudes I've ever met. I mean, it was crazy. And, and you felt bad because, you know, the guy got injured and he well, couldn't, he couldn't play, but he, why, he did, why was there that video where Brian Colangelo who paid him, tried to give him a high five and he didn't want to high five Brian. You know, I, I didn't even see that video. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> and, and, and the thing about it is like, I mean, I, w- I would kind of like to see what the, uh, the context was of the video. Because... They, had, they had won a game. And they were they were you know proudly going back to the locker room, I think I could be I could have this wrong, but and, you know Brian was there like you know like he he like poured water on TJ TJ's big games, and people were like why didn't Jared Bayless want to give him a high five he paid him. Yeah, but see I it, that, the thing about it, that's why I'm saying like you got to see the context because people don't realize. Jared has known Brian since for years. Mm. Like, you know, Jared, um, you know, he's from the Phoenix area. Um, ah. Colangelo is from Phoenix, of course. Colangelo, you know, his father, like, owned the Suns and all this and that. And um, it was one of those situations, like, they've known each other for years, like, years. So for him to, like, do that, it's kind of sort of like it could have, I mean, like, again, it, it's kind of like, I would like to know what the context is because it, it seems out of character. Now, again, a video, you can look at a video and you could say. It might have been nothing. Hey, it just been, he didn't yeah, it could have been nothing. I mean, because I'm telling you, like, like, you know, after 
after Brian had left and, and Jared left, I mean, I know they still have a relationship. Like, yeah. I mean, this is stuff like, yeah, they, they've known each other since this guy was, I want to say in elementary school. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it yeah. just doesn't yeah. sound right. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. All right, all right. So let's go to the Sixers' current injury situation. If this is really like a last person standing type of situation, we saw Joel, you know, sort of wincing with his knee on the landing against Brooklyn. Tobias has a sore knee. Ben was ill last night. Do you know anything about that? Nah, not really. Just sick. Um, he's not usually ill, but that was a huge game for him to miss when everyone wanted to see him guard Steph. Yeah, but you know what, dude? I'm not going to – see, I, I know what the narrative is. There's a lot of people saying, was he ducking him? Was he doing that? I mean, it, that just seems like out of character for Ben to do that, you know? Yeah, you, so. you asked that about Joel, right? You were like, is he ducking the big centers? I mean, you got in trouble. No, nah, that. that ain't what I said. No, nah, that, that's not what I – and see, it, this is the thing. Like, you know, a lot of people – what I asked was, I said, Doc, is there a concern? Like, it's been a lot of big games that Joel has missed. Are you of concerned and upset about that? What did he and say? What happened? Huh? What did he say? I mean, he said, that's a, that's a hell of a question. <laughs> right? That's what he said. It's a hell of a question. And then what happened is, from what I heard is, a couple people in the organization said, yo, I think the reporter might think this, you know, this and that. So they use that as motivation. So, you know what I mean? Like it, it is what it is, but you know, people can, if like, and I, and I wrote about it, I did a podcast about it. Like if, if that's the motivation that people want to use and you know, they want to use me as that, go ahead. I've heard, I've heard that the Sixers are a tough beat. Would you feel that it's a tough beat? I don't know, dude. This is the only pro beat I had. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, I've, I've talked to people who said the Knicks and the Sixers are are really into what gets written and, and the public persona. Would you say that you think that's a possibility? To be honest, with you, I never really, I never really concerned myself with it. And that's not a knock <laughs> against the Sixers and that's not a knock against the Knicks. Um, you know, I, I haven't really had anybody from the Sixers, um, Colangelo, um, Hinky, Elton Brand, um, Brett Brown, Doc Rivers, Daryl Morey. I haven't had anyone like call me and say like, why did you write that? You know, I, I haven't. Um, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of times if you write something and, and you know it's the truth and it's real, it, 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 it's true. And you feel like if you do that, then it's nothing anyone can say. Now, if you just come out there and you just real critical of someone and you say something that, you know, you're taking a shot at someone, then, yeah, I guess they will come come after you. But I think the thing about journalism is you have to be objective and you and, and with that objectivity, you have to be truthful. Right. And so when you're doing your job. You know, there are some people may say it's a tough beat. Some people may say this and that. But at the end of the day, you just have to cover your, you have to cover the team. You have to do your beat. And like the thing about it is like when I do podcasts and, and things like that, you know, I'll do a podcast, 
but I don't do a podcast to come on there and like rip an organization or rip a player or anything like that. So when I do podcasts, you know, especially since, you know, I, I cover the team, you know, or I cover people and, and I have a, I have a reputation of asking real questions and straight up questions and asking honest and, and, and honest questions like that people want to know that it becomes to a point where, you know, that's what I want to talk about. I don't think that I should go on a podcast so, so somebody can ask me do I how I feel about Ben Simmons, um, you know, what I felt about this and that. I want to talk about the game and talk about stuff like that. You brought up those different – I mean, you've seen a lot of regimes now. What would you say the, the characteristic that defines some of these different regimes? You know, you've seen Hinky, Colangelo, Collaborative, Maury. Is there anything that's unique about some of those? Um, I, I think here's the thing. Like I, I was a fan of Sam Hinkie. Um, you know, Sam Hinkie, and, and if you look at it, most of them are, are still kind of sort of collaborative a little bit because I think that, you know, Doc, um, you know, Daryl Morey, you know, he's, he's you no know, proven. He does stuff, but he still converses with, you know, Doc Rivers on certain things. You know, they all have to, you know, deal with, you know, get things approved by the ownership. But like, you know, when I, when I think back of Sam Hinkie, you know, I, I think of, you know, him being a guy who, you know, he did what he did the, the, the beginning stages of a teardown and basically acquired a lot of assets. But at, but at the same time, like we still to this day, we don't know what he can do. And when you talk about collaborative, like, you know, a, a lot of things is like when they had Elton Brand and they had these other guys, yeah, I think that was more of a collaborative thing than than before because you got to realize Elton Brand just was a year removed from playing basketball. Elton and, Brand is like the one guy I would put the biggest asterisk on his resume. I'd be like, well, I don't know if that was his decision. He was, you know, part of that meeting or whatnot. Um, you know, I I think that it was collaborative, but. At the same time, you know, when you talk to certain people, there were certain things that Elton had his stamp on that maybe some people didn't give him the credit for. But, you know, it was a time where, you know, I hate to say, like, this is the new era. Like, there's people who, they're going out there, they're getting, they're getting younger general managers, and they have to learn on a job. And, you know, it's, I think it's kind of hard for you to just come straight in and say, okay, I need you to make this blockbuster deal, but you got to do it on your own. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it, 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 you know what I mean? It's, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit unrealistic. So, you know, you take a year or two. Now, here's the one thing. Whatever happened and whatever was collaborative and what wasn't collaborative of the old regime, Elton Brand's the only one still left, really, of the major ones. Like, you know what I mean? The other guys, they got out of there. Like, they got rid of them. Yeah. So whatever Elton Brand, his ideas were, you know, it it must have been something that the ownership group really liked. Do you know, you know, do you have any sense of what his ideas were? Did he like a certain player or not like, like Horford, Richardson? Um, I don't know. I never really, I mean, I mean, I, I think that... <laughs> I mean, I think the thing about Al Horford is is different. Like, I, I think that a lot of them liked Al Horford, right? 
but I feel like Al Horford might not been utilized the right way, you know, and, and that's part of the reason why Al Horford was a little upset, you know, and, and, and was always questioning his role. You know, it, it got to a point where, you know, Al Horford, I mean, let's face it, Al Horford leaves Philly, he goes to Oklahoma City, and he was performing well until they decided to shut him down, right? I mean, Al Horford <laughs> was playing well, you know? That's one about, of the most, of like, a blatant shutdowns. <laughs> That's yeah, like Sam Hankey. Yeah, blatant shutdowns. And then you look at Richardson, you know, like Richardson, it was one of those things, you know, they got rid of Jimmy. I mean, they got rid of Jimmy or, you know, Did they, I don't know if you officially reported on this. Did they offer Jimmy a max five-year? It depends. No, nah, I don't think it, it depends on who you ask. Like there's some people saying, yeah, there's some people saying no. What's you his key? What, I mean? what does key say? Um, I, I think that, I, you know, it's a tough one. I, I think that there were certain people within the organization, well, certain people on the coaching staff who didn't want Jimmy back. <laughs> I remember listening. I think it was locked on. These are the days when you, when you still had like crummy audio and I'd have to like shove the headphones into my ear. And I think that you predicted that there could be an issue between Brett and Jimmy. And I thought, I texted my friend, I was like, Keith Pompey thinks that Brett and Jimmy are mutually exclusive moving forward. Like, it's got to be one or the other. And, and that, like, when I look back on it, I think that was probably true. What do you mean probably, bro? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, yeah. It was, it was, that wasn't going to work out, man. It wasn't going to work out. So, like, so did they overvalue their coach? Like, um, you know, I, you know what, it, it, it was a tough situation because when you look at it, the team was so close, so close. And, and then you look at Jimmy and you look at Jimmy's personality. And I think there are certain times where you say, okay, now if we let this guy go and we lost on a four bounce shot, <laughs> right? We lost on a four bounce shot. Brutal. How bad is that going to look? right? With Joel being injured, you know, Joel was basically playing injured. So, you know, I felt like they thought that, okay, you know, we can, if we let Jimmy go, like, or, you know, Jimmy go, we have Tobias, give him a bigger role. We go out there and we'll bring in like someone else. And, and we have this coach and we're going to see, we're going to see. And not only did they, it's not a, a thing of overvaluing. You got to realize they also gave him a contract extension. So it would look crazy that you, you give this guy a contract extension and the year that it kicks in, you get rid of him. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I think that had a lot to do with it as well. But were they offered him an extension? They he already had one, remember? Brett uh, Brown. Oh, oh, Brett, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Brett Brown, yeah. So what I'm saying is like, you know, you got to think about that too. Like, I mean, how bad would that look? If you give a guy an extension, he signs an extension the year prior that's about to kick in and you <laughs> fire. I mean, I, I wouldn't have cared. I always put the star over the coach in those situations. But um, do you think – all right, so what's your take on the on the MVP and DPOY race? Do you think Joel – I don't think about it yet. I don't think <laughs> about it. I got to vote, and I don't think about it until the end. 
I, that, that, I'm sorry, I just always do that. But I do think Joel has a has a has a shot. You know, I think the only thing that is may hurt Joel is is like games played if people bring that up. You know, because yeah. you you look at the Joker and he's playing. You know, he's playing and his team is in his team is in um, fourth place now. If Joel continues to play, and 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 then all of a sudden he gets back in the rankings. And the Sixers come first out and you know finish first in the East. I think it's going to be hard not for people to do it. But in regards to like really thinking about it, it's funny. I never think about it until like really sit down and start figuring things out until the end. And here's the reason why: because you get caught up on stuff. Like there was one point in the beginning of the season, everyone was saying Kevin Durant. It's going to be Kevin Durant. But then Kevin Durant gets hurt, right? Then they're like. Well, what about LeBron James, right? And then you hear, oh, maybe not. Then it's all about Joel. Then it's the Joker. Then it's James Harden, right? And now it's like, okay, it's Durant again. And then now some people are saying, well, what about um, what what about um, Steph Curry? Yeah. So you know, it's one of those things. Like, and the reason why I try not to really think about it until like when right before votes are due and then I start like looking at things is because you'll go crazy thinking from week to week or month to month like oh who's the MVP <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean yeah now the defensive player of the year I mean I think that may be a little bit tougher than what people are going to think because you know you you look at it and while it's true that Ben does guard five different positions you know, Rudy Gobert is like a, a, an elite rim protector. Now, he didn't look that way against Embiid, nor did he look that way against Simmons. But there are going to be certain people who are going to say, you know, they're going to go for Rudy. And then there's going to be other people who say we like Ben. And then some people are going to bring up like some games, oh, well, he didn't shut this guy down. He didn't shut that guy down. You know, so... It, it, but again, like that's why I always try to wait until until the end before I make my you know my suggestion. I mean my picks. So you're not gonna share with us who you're voting for? I don't know who I'm voting for yet. <laughs> you gotta. That's a good. That's the right answer. And I'll be honest with you, I just don't vote for Sixers because they're six. I mean, people because they're Sixers. I always vote for who I think deserves it. But what if it know, was a Pitt one. fan? What if uh, what if Tyler Boyd was the MVP candidate? Oh well, of course, Tyler no, Boyd will get it. But <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know what I mean. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned um, the Sixers like bottom line for guys like Lowry. You said that the uh, on a podcast with Liberty Watch, like the the Raptors might have overplayed their hand. Do you think? All right, so I think the price you mentioned was like two young players, a rotation player, and two picks but maybe one of those picks would have been a second. So let's say we rewind and we go back to like March 21st or whatever it is. Would you trade Thibel, Maxi, a first, a second, and green for Lowry, now knowing what you know about potential injuries to Kawhi Leonard, uh, James Harden? You know what? I, I don't I don't know about that one. And and here's the reason, just because when you think about well, think about this, like will you imagine like they got they got George Hill, right? And then soon after the trade, we find out that 
Kyle Lowry's foot was a little worse than what we initially originally yeah. thought it was. You know what I mean? Um, you know, here's my thing. I, I, I think that when we're talking about giving all that up for a guy in the final year of his contract, who's about to be a free agent. Yeah, he like, could have walked. Yeah, he, he could walk. You know, he could walk. If the situation isn't right, then he can walk. And like, you know, you, you look at a team like Miami that's going to have that cap space. So if he doesn't like it here, he can just bounce. So I don't know if I was willing to give up all that, you know, just hoping and praying that everything would work out and he would decide to, to stay here. And, you know, the thing is, you know, with Kawhi being like saying what you know now and all that, like Kawhi to me doesn't even come into fact uh, come into play it's all about the brooklyn nets right now you know yeah and you know so that's my thing it's like you know when you get him before you get to meet Kawhi, you got to get out the east right so but but that's the thing but you know he he would have been a great point guard but i don't know if the sixers were willing to give up all that and commit to 25 million dollars per form after giving up all that so you you're on this beat you know this you know these players as well as anyone who who has access. Do you think when they make those decisions of who's going to play and who's not going to play, um, that the player has a big say? Like, is Joel gunning for the MVP? And can Daryl Morey say, we want to rest you for the playoffs? Like, how does that play out? And what would that tension look like? I don't think, Daryl, I think that that would probably be more of the coach's decision. Um, and, and I think, like, this year – you know, I, I think that, you know, Joel Embiid knows what the goal is for this team. Now, and the goal is is to win a championship. Now, Joel has missed 10 straight games. He missed 18 thus far. So he does have to continue. You know, he does have to get, you know, his rhythm back a little bit. They will rest him at a certain point. But I, I think that Joel has to get his rhythm. But deep down inside, I think that, you know, this is a decision that Doc Rivers makes when it comes down to it. Now, again, there are certain times when a player is injured and, you know, you'll say to that player, how do you feel? How, you know, how do you go and stuff like that? How do you, I mean, how do you feel? Do you want to go? But I think that Joel Embiid knows what the focus is. He, he knows that winning championship. He also knows that, like, let's keep it real. Joel, the last three playoffs, Joel went into all three of them with some sort of injury. He's never I can, been I can already see that player. narrative now. If, if they know? lost, it would be Joel and Ben have never both been healthy in one playoff series, and it will kill Sixers fans to hear that, <laughs> but it's true. It's, it is true, but at the same time, you know, so with that being said, like, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you're looking at it and you're saying, like, we're talking about the numbers he's putting up. The only thing that will hurt him is games played. So, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. But at the same time, he's been dominating, dominant. So oh, he's yeah. been dominating people. So, you know, it, it's one of those things like, do I expect Joel to play the remaining 15 games? No, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he sat out one of the next three games or, or one of the next two, you know. But – but yeah, I, I think that Joel knows what's what's at stake. And especially where you're talking about, we talked about how you have now Harden, you know, he's out indefinitely. 
you know, Durant is has a thigh bruise. You know, it, it's one of those things where if if you're Joel, you're like, you know, I was confident before, but I think we really, really have a chance. And I, I think that that and he said it over and over again. Um, winning the championship is, is is number one, and everything else is number two. Yeah, no, I think that's important. That's profound. Do you do you think do they do they go into those post games and is there like what 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 do you see sometimes pre pandemic at least that the average fan doesn't get to see? Do they like jump in the ice bath? Do they celebrate even a basic win? Well, by the time when we get there, you unfortunately. You see people getting dressed, <laughs> right? <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not naked. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no! I'm just kidding. Fortunately, <laughs> they're 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 not naked. <laughs> um. So, like you know, so basically, we don't see like the celebration. Like, if they win a championship, you see it. Yeah, but, yeah. Nah, it's like you know, it's just like going into any any other locker room. You know what I mean? I don't know. I've never been in one. I know, I know Doc has that story of hiding like 2,600 in cash in the Staples Center to, to motivate the Celtics to come back. Does he have anything like that this year? Um, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he does. I don't, I don't know. I, I, like, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, are you, you recently penned a piece basically like home court is essential. Um, and, and this team is really good. And I think that you, you might've even played a factor in, in alerting to the, the general fan base, your post about the sweaty court, <laughs> like it's cold in there. Right. And I feel like that story for, for those who don't know, Keith covered when the, when the, like the floor was sweating, was it a game against like Boogie in Sacramento? And I feel like they might have turned the temperature down. And ever since then, it's been a little chilly in there. And maybe that has to do with their home court. I don't know. No, everyone has a theory because even when the fans are gone, they still win at home. No, I just think they're just a good team. Um, and, and I think that last year, it was like they just didn't really gel um, together. They, there was a lot of, you know, they, the guys just, I'm not saying the culture just wasn't all the way together. And uh, when you look at it, I don't think it has anything to do with the court or, or this and that. I just think that when you go on the road, um, you know, sometimes, you know, if it, it, it's like a circle to wagon type of thing. It's, it's tougher to win on the road than people think. Just because, especially when there's a lot of fans in there, you know, people are booing at you. I'm booing at you. And they, they typically say that, you know, role players, they typically play better at home than they do on the road. It's, be, it's, just, it's yeah. just a weird thing. So I think that when we look at the Sixers last year, they just had a, the culture was just me messed up and it, it just didn't work out. And then here's the thing, when you're on the road and you're down by two and or down by five and it's late in the game, sometimes you tend to start pressing more. But when you're at home, you got the crowd out cheering for you, this and that. You're a little bit more relaxed than you would normally be. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
and we and we see a lot of role players at home deliver in those moments. I think it was it might have been Rich Hoffman of the Athletic who said there's a possibility that Dwight Howard could be like Montrez Harold 2.0 for Doc Rivers. Do you think Dwight Howard's minutes with Ben Simmons is an issue that could plague them in the playoffs? You know, I don't think so now because you have uh, George Hill, you know, and, and I don't know, like, I think that what we're going to see a lot of, I think when the playoffs start and especially like closing out, you know, I think the rotation is going to shrink a little bit. Um, you're going to have George Hill on there. Now, again, you, you'll look at it and you'll say, well, who's going to be in the dunker spot and you know, who's going to be, you know, like, where, where, where are they going to put Yeah. Well, I know, right? Who's going to provide the space? But I think the fact that you'll have George Hill and Ben could play more of a forward position, I think that it, it, it's going to alleviate a lot of that. I also don't think that, you know, I think, you know, I think Dwight is going to play, but I'm not looking to see Dwight playing like a bunch of minutes. Not like you know, on I the think, Lakers? He, pl- um, he played a bunch in the Final Four. Like alongside yeah, but, Anthony Davis. Yeah, but my thing is like when you look at that, and if if you when the Sixers you, you look at it and you say to yourself, all right, who who are they going to close out the game with? Who are they going to do this and that? And 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 you have Joel Embiid. You know, like Dwight Howard was the backup center, and then he ended up starting some games, but they didn't have a Joel Embiid, right? So. You know, I'm just saying to myself, like, I like Dwight. I think Dwight's, a, you know, a great player, a great addition. But are you going to, like, say, okay, I'm going to sit Tobias Harris down because I want to play the Twin Towers? <laughs> That's you know what, what Doc saying? said about playing Tolliver. Yeah, so, you know, so, yeah. But but the thing is, it's like, you know, the, um, you know uh, Tobias is their second leading scorer. They, they missed him last night. Um, so, oh, you know, not I think, one, I think. Yeah, I think the situation is is completely different. Yeah, do, are you? Do you? I mean, you you keep it pretty objective, but your routine listeners will know. Like, you got to have some some allegiance, some emotional impact. Is there a player who's been one of your favorites over the years? Um. Other than Jared Bayless, <laughs> um, I, I kind of like TJ McConnell. TJ, yeah, and and here's the reason why. So, when I was the high school re- reporter for the Enquirer, I covered like Newman Garetti, and they played TJ McConnell's high school in the state championship game, and it was weird. Like TJ had like thirty something points, and he and he and he. Had, he had like he, he had, in the closing seconds, he attempted a three that rimmed out at the buzzer. They would have won the game. So he's like, okay, this guy had a okay, good dude. He had a good game. So then the next year, um, I got moved up to the Temple Beat, and T.J. McConnell was a freshman at Duquesne, and Temple played. So I said, okay, I saw this guy play last year, and then I see him play his freshman year in in college and then all of a sudden he becomes a rookie and he's on the Sixers team so it was like I was like joking with him dude I covered you in high school college and now in the pros so 
you know, and, and he was, you know, TJ's a, a, a good dude. So he was cool. Like, I also like Nerlens. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are great. Like Nerlens is balling in New York. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Tibbs is like a perfect dude. fit. Yeah. Nerlens was, you know, Nerlens was a, a, he was a great dude too. Like, you know, a matter of fact, I remember once I went to Haiti with him for a story. Did you so, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. I went to Haiti with him for a story. And um, so Nerlens is a, was a good guy. I mean, they even down to like, you know, this team, you know, like Danny Green seems like a great guy. You know, um, Ben, I like Ben. I like Ben as a person. And so I'm, you know, I may be, you know, missing a couple people, um, excluding a lot, but they're all like pretty good dudes when, when you get to know them. I mean, you know, you talk about like when you're in a locker room, the one thing that in the locker room is like during pregame, you know, you, you typically go in there for like a half an hour and guys are sitting at their locker and you're just like chatting with them. And, you know, you talk about things that's like non-basketball sometimes, you know what I mean? All the record stuff, about, yeah. Yeah, off the record stuff like family, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, they're all pretty good guys. And Ben's got a couple puppies. Do you, do you ever, like, because he, I think JJ said like, oh, he lives behind a glass wall. And so fans even fans who love him don't really get a sense how do you think he's doing do you think that his his knee is acting up do you think he's having a, a good or a bad year like he's been in trade talks what do you think of Ben this year you know you know it, that's a good question um in regards to his knee um you know I I think that you know there's a lot going on and and I, I don't I'm talking about the knee I mean I, I think that you know, it's one of those things when, you know, you were involved in trade talks and you have to deal with that. And you're saying to yourself, like, you know, here I am, I'm a max player. So there's certain things that you overcome, right? Um, but I, I think that, you know, Ben, he had a stretch where he was playing extremely well. And then now that everybody's back, you know, he was in a little slump a little bit. But, you know, I, I really don't want to, it's kind of weird because, we're not in the locker room this year like we used to be. So it's hard for me to get like a gauge on why he's doing something and why he's not doing it. You, you feel know? less confidence with your own takes this year because mm -hmm. of that? Nah, nah. Because that's why you have sources, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why you have sources. All right, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Nah, but, but the thing about it is, like, you know, JJ says uh, behind a, a, a glass wall, this and that, you know, Ben is another nice guy. You know, I mean, you know, he, people don't, he, but he's one of those people that, you know, he has to know you before he lets you in, so to speak. Yeah. You know what number I mean? One, but, number one picks have to be a little guarded. I mean, not necessarily, but, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, just certain people are different, you know, certain people are different. I have a friend who texts me. He's a Knicks fan, so he roots against the Sixers. He says, how come nobody ever talks about Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons both had the yips? You think, you think that's true? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, Markel Fultz, that's old, dude. You know, <laughs> that's too old? Like, rear view? Uh, yeah, because, see, the thing is, is, is one of these things where – you know, I like talking about new stuff. Like Markel folks, when they, when they trade him three years ago, 
2017, <laughs> four now. Yeah, four, yeah, four years ago. You know, it's like, I don't know. Like, like again, I told you, man, I'm like one of these guys, you know, I don't like making fun of people. I, I like reporting on people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I saw a good interview with Mike Breen who said, I, I wrestle with this. And, you know, as, as someone who works for MSG, if a guy is struggling, I say he's struggling. And I try not to rub it in his face. And I just say he's had a hard month. That's it. Because I, I'm going to talk to these guys. Do you, can you resonate with that? Now, see, what it is, is that my, my thing is, I don't know if it's all about that. And, but to me, it's kind of sort of like, you know, sometimes I think there are certain people who are critical of athletes, but they won't say it to that athlete's face. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying I'm that guy because I will say to the face, but I just don't like talking about people to other people if, if I don't know if that person you know what I mean? I, I don't like, I, I just don't like taking shots at people. I mean, I, I just don't like, I mean, there's going to be a time if a guy's struggling, you're going to have to report about it. You just are. But at the same time, you just don't want to like, oh man, look at this dude. He can't shoot or something like that. You know what I mean? You, you just don't want to do that. That's not, to me, that's not being objective. To me, what that's doing is that's somebody trying to make a name for themselves. Um, by poking fun at someone else's struggles and i just don't like participating in that yeah i hear you, know? you. it probably works and, out yeah i just don't and and then like with that is you know it's like if a person asks me something like my thing is if you're in this in this field and you want some help i'll help you out but if i feel like i'm gonna come on and like, people just want to criticize an athlete then i don't i, I just don't want to deal with it you know what I mean? Because that's not being professional. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I got one more question here. Uh, all right. I think you said on our pod the first time you joined with Steve and, and Dan and Emily, did you did you think that a player like Matisse Thabel being included in the Kyle Lowry trade would have gotten that deal done? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. I do. So it, so, so Daryl Morey might have uh, valued him enough to, to say no, if he, you know, assuming like the picks, first round pick, second round pick, Maxi, and obviously green for value in terms of financials. But if he had just put in Matisse, who's playing really, really, really well lately. Uh, you think that would have happened? I, I think it could have happened. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm pretty sure, you know, what that would have done is you say, okay, this is what the Sixers are going to do. So then you you go to Miami and say, now what you going to throw in? You know what I mean? Before we decide. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that probably it could have. But, you know, I, I, but I also think that it's one of those things that that's a testament of how much the Sixers ended up valuing Matisse, you know? They really did, was, yeah. I mean, I was told that, you know, they weren't going to get him. Like, they weren't getting rid of Matisse. That, that's what I was told. You were told, yeah. like, he, he's just too valuable of an asset for them. Yeah, I mean, it got to a point, like, look, the coaches love him. I mean, you, you know, he's a, he's a defensive stopper. I mean, he's a guy who, 
He's good mean, people he guards. He's good people he guards. Not <laughs> only well, I mean, it's bigger than that. It's like it's one of those things where if you notice, he's getting a little bit more comfortable with his with his jumper. Yep. Secondly, you know, he didn't have people typically make their growth from their first and second year. Well, he really didn't have a lot of time to work on his game because of the pandemic and everything like that. The belief is that, you know, this summer he's going to get in there and he's going to really work hard. And people think that he's going to come out and be, you know, a way better player. And, you know, you don't want to be that team that got rid of someone. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, why did we make that move? It would hurt to see him balling in Toronto and, and to have to hear all the Ujiri, you know, stuff about how smart he is. And, and he could have, he could have like Siakam, Thibel, and OG. That would be a, a defensive identity. So I could see why they wanted him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Matisse, I'm telling you, Matisse is, is, uh, is going to be a player. I mean, he already is, but I think, He's going to be a quality three and D moving forward. Yeah. Do you think, do you see shades of like Covington or anyone in him? Um, you know, there, I, I, yeah, I, I can see him in regards to being an all league defender. Yeah. I mean, I think their styles are completely different. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it's, it's funny. It's, it's like the opposite. It's like Covington came in as a sharpshooter and Lloyd Pierce turned him into a, a you know, all defensive type player. Yeah, and he's then, so credit you know, Lloyd. Yeah, and then, you know, you look at Matisse, who's this all-world defender, and they're, they're, they're turning him into a, a quality 3 and T, D guy. I mean, I think they have different styles, but at the same time, I think that in regards to him becoming an all-league guy, I look at Covington. Covington's a little bit longer than he is, right? You know, Covington can yeah, play. Yeah, he's like 6'9". Like, yeah. Like, he could play small ball, like center and this and that. Like, you're not going to have Matisse play the five, right? <laughs> but but at the same time, you know, Matisse is a special player, man. A very special player. Do you think it's possible that there's ever a disconnect between Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers? Do you think Daryl would say, hey, let's try small ball like I did in Houston? And Doc's like, no, nah, I, I want to go big. I want to play Dwight. Well, when you when you talk to Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey says that Doc Rivers makes all those decisions. Yeah, he's like, even he's, said yeah. like he yeah. declined. Like maybe it was Doc who said I declined some trade propositions he offered. Yeah, I mean, you know, so all I'm just saying is in regards to, um, like the style of play and who to play. You know, Daryl says is all about Doc. Like he, he, he'll he'll say that he says that all the time. It's all about Doc. If if Daryl went on his analytics and he saw like this lineup is a negative fifty, would he bring that to Doc and say like, hey, maybe you maybe you shouldn't do this? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know just because like you know I'm not in there you know for that one, but I mean, I'm pretty sure he would probably have some sort of conversation. But but at the same time. You know, it's kind of when you when you look at Doc Rivers, you know, Doc Rivers is a different type of coach. And what I mean by that is he won a championship. Like he coached Hall of Famers. He's one of the all time winningest coaches. So it's kind of like 
I'm pretty sure they do work together with things. But at the same time, we're looking at this Sixer squad who a lot of people thought would be in the middle of the pack and they're number one in the East. And that's because I'm of surprised. Dallas, so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, I don't know right now, like how that goes, but what I will say is that, you know, I think, you know, he allows Doc to coach the way he wants to, you know, and, and it's kind of like, you know, he doesn't bother Doc. Doc does what he wants to do. And, you know, right now you can't argue with it. No. All right. So one more question on that theme. Would you say that you have sensed, would you say there's like a gravitas to covering the team now that they have Doc? Like what's the biggest difference covering a championship caliber coach? I mean, it's the same to me, dude. Like, it's, it's like, I mean, it is like you have a job to do. Like, yeah. you know, you go in there, you get the story of the day. You know, the only difference is like when you're covering it, when you were covering the process the first couple of years, you would go into the practice facility and you would like try to look and see, okay, they're all here today. There's not a new guy. You know right. what I mean? That was the thing. Every other and, day it was someone new. <laughs> Every other day it was someone new, you know, um, it's now I will tell you, people are in better moods than they used to be um, because, you know, you go in the locker room or you do whatever and it was coming off a loss and people didn't really want to talk. And now it's like, you know, they're all happy to see you and stuff like that. But yeah, I can't wait to share my experience. Yeah. But before it was like, you know, they want, they didn't want to talk about you know, uh, losing by 40, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, that that's the difference. But other than that, it's, it's, you still have a job to do. All right. Give, give the, help us find, uh, help us find you. How can we, what, what would you like to plug? Is there anything you're working on? I don't know, you can listen to my podcast now that I, the since in the last couple of years, I have a real microphone. Um, it's locked <laughs> on 76ers. <laughs> so, I mean, that's it. And you can um, read my stuff in inquire.com. Those of us, those of us who were there before that will get that and they'll be like, oh, it's fine. I just want to hear what you're saying. Well, look, I'm going to tell you what happened back in the day. Right. So yep. I yep. used to do my use my cell phone. Right. And then like, you know, it was just like, so I'm talking in the cell phone. And then one day I listened to it. I was like, oh, dang, this is not bad. So then I got a mic. Right. But yeah, so that's what the problem was. Uh, yeah, I, I sent it to my friend. I was like, this is not a good quality, but I feel like he kind of knows that Brett and Jimmy are not going to work together. <laughs> yeah, you could tell. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much. Always wanted to get you on here. Really appreciate it. Anyone who's anyone who's a Sixers fan has Keith's tweets on notification. So yeah, go follow him. Go listen to him. And appreciate it. All right, my man. Peace. All right, man. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.